White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 757. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the palatial White Rocket Studios, located in a holographic simulator in 2762 A.D., it's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Andy, how are you tonight? I'm doing just fine, Van. How are you? Dang it, it took me two takes to get that in, and, and I liked your reaction the first time, but you'd heard it, so you didn't react the second time. Dang it! <laughs> I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. I forgot to say that in our last episode, Andy. And here we are. Can you believe it? We're at the end of Season 4. Uh it, I, yeah, it was. It, 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 I, I don't even know how to react. It's been a long ride, but it's been an awesome one. Yes. I loved it. It's been a year, but I yeah. loved it, man. It was. We, we, we talked more cool Babylon 5 than, than I've talked in decades, probably, yeah. this past year. I loved it. We made season four last a very long time, and, and have to say that again. We said that because the, the, the folks listening in our regular feed. Bless their hearts, every one of them. But if they're not patrons, they didn't hear the episode we just recorded last night as we record this, which was we went ahead and recorded Sleeping in Light, kind of the way JMS filmed it right after Rising Star. So for those of you who are patrons, check your check Patreon because it's posted up there now. As of, as of October 5th, 2023, you can hear the Sleeping in Light episode if you want to. Uh, and we reacted to it as if it had just, if it had aired at the end of season four when it was filmed. Right. Right. Um, but now, for our normal audience, we are going to do the deconstruction of Falling Stars, also known as the episode I always call Intersection Sections in Real Time because I get the titles confused. Right. They both have those weird abstract titles. So, um, what were your thoughts about how that went last night? Uh, in terms, just so the folks will know if they should run out and get a Patreon so they should listen to it. I thought it was a fantastic conversation. I absolutely loved it because I loved the episode and, and uh, we had both just watched it, so our emotions were still kind of raw. From oh, half, a, it. half a box of Kleenex later, no right. kidding. Right, so I thought it was a great conversation and, and it was it was fun to, to, to kind of you know look through the, the what-if lens. You know, what if season five hadn't happened and yeah, the the sleeping in light was the final episode of Babylon Five, and I thought I thought that was a fun conversation. That was really cool. Well, and I think it was the first time I've ever watched Sleeping in Light right after the rest of season four, but before deconstruction. Right. And so to get a sense of what it would have been like if it had aired when it originally was supposed to, with the same cast, right? Because it had Ivanova. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. 
that was really interesting. And the other thing I wanted to mention was I liked it because going back and editing it this afternoon, I liked that we really had fun with it. I mean, you know, it could have been kind of a downer of a podcast about kind of a downer of an episode, honestly, right? Right. But I feel like I don't think we were disrespectful of it, but I think we celebrated it. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, as as it should be. I mean, that was it was kind of like a, a memorial service for for the series. You know? Yeah. yeah. It was. It wasn't the the funeral so much. It was the memorial service where everybody gets together and tells jokes and and enjoys the, the life that was. So I, I think that this that episode really worked well for that. Yes. And I just realized I could have done such a good comedy bit. I could have said we went ahead and recorded Sleeping in Light last night because I heard a rumor all of our patrons were going to go away and the, and the <laughs> podcast was going to get canceled after season four. How did I miss that chance, man? How did I, how did I let that get past me? But, no, it's yeah. not true. Yeah. We have great it, patrons who hopefully aren't going anywhere to keep right. us going. You know, I, I really enjoyed watching this episode, the, the Deconstruction of Falling Stars, right after watching Sleeping in Light because they reference mm-hmm. some of the stuff that happened in Sleeping in Light, which didn't air till a whole a y- season after. A year later. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. It was still fresh in the memory. It's like, oh, hey, they're talking about that. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And this is a really weird episode, too, the one we're going to talk about tonight. It's a really weird episode because it's it's kind of a... It's, it's like Sleeping in Light. It's kind of a season four episode, because it caps off season four, but it also is a season five episode because it was literally filmed as part of season five, yep. and it, it looks slightly different. I mean, it looks like the TNT episodes more than it looks like season four, but it has right. the opening credits of season four. Right. It's really an odd duck, and I shouldn't have said yeah. duck because that brings up the whole thing from last night with <laughs> Sinclair's duck. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, see, the, the TNT... Uh, season five had a much smaller budget, so it was a much more of a character-oriented, mm-hmm. closed-room type series. You know, compared to season four, it was much smaller in scope, and they only had six days to shoot the episodes instead of seven days to shoot the episodes. So things were a little bit more rushed, and and I think this episode kind of, like you said, it looked and it felt a little bit different from season five or from season four. Yeah, it really did. Um, but I, but you know what? The, I, this has never been one of my favorites just because it's, it's more of an anthology episode than it is a single story episode. I mean, there is kind of a plot that runs through it, which is the mysterious kind of, figure yeah. at the end that's watching a replay of you know right. history. But and, and apparently for no particular reason, he's just saving some records as he gets ready to move to New Earth or whatever. Which is well, fine. he's he's sending their records to New Earth. He's yeah. he came back to to record or to, to gather all the memories of Sheridan and Delenn to forward those onto the new, or humanity's new home. You know, you know the character I wish that could have been Ironheart. Yes. Yep. Yes. And well, and much respect to you for 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 pulling that out. Yeah, that was good. Good job. I, 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 that's the first thing I thought of because he transformed into energy much like Ironheart did and Ironheart even said I'll see you in a million years in a million years exactly that was yeah. what I was thinking was a million years yeah yeah because this guy reminded me we're going to talk about this more but this guy reminded me of a techno mage right up until he turned into Lorian or Kosh yeah he, so yeah, he looked 
he looked uh, he reminded me a little bit of the the angel form of the the mm. warlocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the way he spoke and kind of carried himself reminded me of a technomage. Yeah, he did. But this is way post technomage. I'm thinking. Way yeah, wait yeah, a million yeah. years. That's a yeah. long time. That is. Uh, but they still have the Ranger logo a million years later. Yep. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was really cool. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, we could. I could just keep talking about the strange things about it, but we but we, have, we have a structure, so we'll stick to our structure. This was, man, I actually have two pages just on the stuff I usually do at the very beginning here. Because oh, it's, it's, all right. Well, there's, there's two things. One, this episode is as convoluted in the episode numbering and order as, 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 as uh, Sleeping in Light. Right. And two, the vast majority of our audience hasn't heard that episode yet when they're listening to this. So I kind of have to explain it again. So drink some more wine and bear with me, Andy, because I'm going to <laughs> lay it out. Here we go. All right. So this episode, The Deconstruction of Falling Stars, was filmed at the beginning of season five. Because what had supposed to have been, that's a strange construction, the, what had supposed to have been, the episode, <laughs> the episode that was filmed to be 422, the end of season four, was Sleeping in Light, the grand finale. When they got a fifth season, JMS moved Sleeping in Light from the end of season four to the end of season five. That meant that now season five had 23 episodes instead of 22, and it meant season four now had 21 instead of 22. So he took one of the season five episodes, basically, and did it as a conclusion for season four and put it in the place that Sleeping in Light had occupied. That's why we were saying a second ago that this episode seems like season five, because it was. Right. Um so its production number on the screen is 422 because that's the order it aired in, right? It aired as, it aired as 422. It was the, right. the, the part of 422 will be played tonight by this episode, <laughs> you know? But it was shot as 501. And get right. this, when you look at the production number of season five, the first episode of season five, no compromises. Guess what number it is? Five oh two. Five oh two. Wow. And so... and objects at rest, the next to last before the one before Sleeping in Light yeah. is five twenty two. Right. Which means Sleeping in Light should be five twenty three. That was why last night I kept saying it's four twenty two, but it's five twenty three. Right. Set gotcha. up. Right. It's crazy. Okay. So. That what all that means, the upshot of all of that is that there is no 501. Babylon right. 5 has no 501. There is no episode called 501. I you mean, know, it's you got to be a super B5 geek to even care about that. People are fast forwarding <laughs> their podcast right now. They're like, get on with the story. I don't care. But to me, this is fascinating. Okay. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun trivia. Yeah. There is no 501 in Babylon 5. That's so weird. That is very weird. But you know what? This this felt like a 501 or like a first episode Mm -hmm. of the new season. It did. It didn't have the cliffhanger Mm -hmm. that a a season ending would. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know how we've even had this discussion. The first episode of every season has been kind of a a take your breath and and collect your thoughts type of episode, which is exactly what this was. Yes. Yes. I think that's a good point. Yeah. 
And that and the fact that I don't really care that much for the first episode of season five, the first actual episode, No Compromises, is one of my least favorite episodes. So, okay. So I'm happy to claim this one as the first. Um, All right. Originally aired October 27, 1997, in the spot that would have been occupied by Sleeping in Light. Um, The funny thing, though, is that JMS said it would all be renumbered, and it wasn't. Um, The title sequence was changed. Did you notice that? It was the season four opening title sequence, but it was different because Claudia Christian could not be credited. She already had been credited for Sleeping in Light, which was her allotted 22 episodes. So it had the explosion of the Agamemnon coming through the base through the right. defense platform. The defense grid, yeah. And then they moved that before the Babylon 5 logo. That's just... Ugh. And it just skipped her. Right. Because I, I did see her on there, but she was only part of the group shot, that group shot there at the end. Yeah, and it, and it included Marcus in the credits because he had not done 22 right. for season four in Sleeping in Light. It's just a picture of words. It's not a picture of him. Right. So they could use him, but they couldn't use Claudia. Uh, Let's see. And then there's the episode's dedication. Dedicated to all the people who predicted the Babylon Project would fail in its mission, Faith manages. Yeah, that was kind of a, yeah, interesting. And that came at the end. Yeah. That was kind of a a middle, JMS given, given his critics the middle finger. It was. And it was interesting because this was the episode filmed next after sleeping in light and sleeping in light was very gracious at the end mm-hmm. here's all the folks who have worked so hard to do this for all these years you know and then the very next episode he's like and meanwhile i'm still pissed right <laughs> so here's your middle finger right so uh let's see shooting on this episode began august 18 1997 written by jms did you see who directed it i did that was uh veer directed it yeah Stephen first mm-hmm not one of my favorite people. Uh, but, oh, yeah, but, we, 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 we've heard that story before. But I think he did a pretty good job. He did, for because, and he even mentioned, I was reading an interview with him, he mentioned that he was directing this under new the new uh, schedule. Oh, They okay. cut it from a seven-day shooting schedule to a six-day shooting schedule. Yeah. So he said that he was, he was kind of excited and, and kind of nervous about being the, the first director to direct under the new schedule because it was a little hectic i imagine it was yeah i i can't imagine how long it takes to film stuff like this i guess a lot of the time is just hurry up and wait while they're setting up lights they're doing the blocking and the angles and figuring a lot of it is just getting ready i imagine right but you know it even looking at all the past seasons you always see you know tidbits of the actor saying you know uh they're the producers off to the side with a stopwatch yelling at people, you know, they, they have these things timed to the second mm-hmm. and to, t- to cut out a, a full work day, which is probably 12 hours. So to cut out 12 hours worth of, of shooting time, that, that would, that would take a little adjustment, a little getting used to. So I, I'm yeah. sure it was very hectic that first for that first couple episodes. And how strange it must be an act to be an actor in a show like this, where you show up to work for several days and you're there just long hours, maybe even in makeup for hours and hours, memorizing all these lines. You do all that, and you go home, and like for days, you're not doing anything. You're just like sitting around yeah. off, yep. and especially when they're not filming. Yeah, well, I, yeah, Zach had the whole half, second half of season four off. 
No kidding. All right, everybody's favorite moment is Andy guesses the P5 rating of this episode. So here we go. What is your epi- what is your guess as to the P5 rating of Deconstruction I, Falling Stars? I, I really have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I know how I reacted to it, but yeah. um, I'm going to say uh, 7.9. Mm, interesting. You're way off. This is the farthest off yeah. you've been in a long time. Really? What was it? 8.5. Really? Yes, this is very... only 0.6 off. This is, a, uh, yeah, but you've been like right on it the last right. couple, so. <laughs> That's true. For you, this is way off, is what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, That's... I mean, this was a pretty well received episode. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Do you want to do the summary again, or you want me to do it? I'll let you do the summary for this uh, this episode. It, it's not going to be much longer than the summary for the last episode. Yeah, your, your, your summary, I can't wait till our audience gets to hear your summary for Sleeping in Light. That was just a classic. <laughs> that was like if I summarized World War II by saying, dude with mustache shoots at people. I mean, your, your, your summary for Sleeping in Light was just like the most concise thing ever in the history of conciseness so yeah but but accurate i was no i said i didn't say it was inaccurate i said it was concise it was uh terse shall we say right. but, but it was good uh let's see the summary because i always just steal it from lurkers fourth season finale well okay sort of Fourth season finale, a look back at the impact of Babylon 5 from 100, 500, 1,000, and 1 million years in the future. And I would just note, including from the perspective of the McLaughlin group of 2362 or whatever it was. All right, notable guest stars this episode include, and I just have a few. There were actually quite a few notable guest stars this episode, but notable guest stars include... Roy Brock Smith as Brother Alwyn. Clearly, yep. JMS likes a canticle for Leibowitz. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, he. Did you read the his comments about that? Not yet, but maybe before this episode is over. <laughs> Somebody brought that up to him, and he said, "You know, it. What? It, I was familiar with the book, but I came to this independently. I had never read the book before writing this, and I came to this idea independently of. Oh wow." Uh, of reading the book because somebody mentioned it to him and mm-hmm. while he was while he was you know writing it somebody said oh yeah that's just like that canticle for canticle for Leibowitz book and he stopped and he thought he was going to have to rewrite that whole scene and then he said you know what I haven't read the book so I I'm in good conscience I can use this I can do it this way because this well, was this is what it, what I thought up on my own so I'm not sure if I've ever no, go ahead no actually I'm just not sure I've ever heard that before so I'm glad that you brought that up. Oh, well, good. See, I, I, I do some research. <laughs> you do, of course. No one said ever said different. Uh, let's see. Alistair Duncan as Latimer, whoever that, I don't even remember who that was. Eric Pierpont as Daniel. Oh, Danny. I have lots to say about Danny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And Neil Roberts as Brother Michael. Oh, having a crisis of faith again, Brother Michael, are we? You know, uh, Brother Michael, Brother. I, I didn't research it on, on IMDb, but Brother Michael looked like he played... One of the rangers at one point in time. Yeah. You know how yeah. they had those random rangers that would just walk through the scene or hand yes. somebody an envelope and walk away? He looked he looked awfully familiar. That square jaw of his. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe he becomes a ranger later, and then he gets visited by Zathras. 
<laughs> who takes him back. Takes him back in time on Babylon 4 to do whatever it is he did that you're remembering. Could be possible. Yeah. His, uh, his, other, his other claim to fame was he was a background shield agent in the, <laughs> the uh, David Hasselhoff. Oh, gosh. The agent of, of shield. That, that classic. That's not the shield I was hoping you were getting at, but okay. No, entirely wow. different agent of shield. So that that's it. That's his uh, claim to fame, other than this Babylon Five. Wow, not a lot of uh, not a lot of work. Um, all right, random factoids and notes. You got anything? I do have one thing. Let me see. I I just wrote it down just before we started. Oh, Bruce Boxleitner loved filming that that scene when he his heel turn scene. I was Absolutely. gonna say yes. I bet he did. I bet he did. Absolutely loved it because he got to turn on. He never gets a chance to play a villainous character because he's always, you know, Johnny Doogood, and he thought it was so cool to be able to open up and go co- just complete space Hitler, and he just had a ball with it. He said that was one of his favorite scenes to film in the whole series. Oh, it, you could tell he was having a ball, right. and I and I made a note about it, and I said. I said he even had the uh, the evil Spock mirror universe goatee. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it was perfect. Exactly. Yeah, that was uh, and that that scene actually made one of my other categories. So. <laughs> that was so good. Um, the ISN anchor settles it for us at last. It is William Morgan Clark. Yes. So there I, we I go. Noticed yep, I noticed that too. 500 years after the Interstellar Alliance formed, JMS was predicting Brexit. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And it's funny too because there were all that McLaughlin group crossfire stuff in the first couple yeah. of vignettes, yeah. you know? And that yep. sounded like all the debate leading up to Brexit. That yep. we kind of suffered through five or ten years ago, you know, all that right. crap. And we weren't even in Britain and we had to deal with it all. So I just thought that was so funny. Um, well, and, and the whole thing about the real facts versus oh, uh, good facts. Oh. That sounds like alter- alternative facts. Yeah, I was going to say irony and all that is just lost on people 500 years in the future, apparently. Right, apparently. They've burned one book too many. <laughs> and now they don't know their history, though they're repeating it, as I, I always tell my students. I, I used to think that, that people that don't read history tend to repeat it, but I think it's just people that do read history say, oh, that worked well that time. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. Oh, so much I could say here, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, there's, there's literal SS lightning bolts on Davy Boy's lapel. Right. I just slap that. us in the face, JMS. Hit us right in the face with it. No subtly there. Yeah, um, I see they still have the same costume designer 500 years in the future, though. <laughs> right. Because Davy's outfit was so... Uh, and Bruce Ayling and all that, you know. Um, yeah, there was the evil. Yeah. Um, oh, because my other note was, I wonder if any viewers just happen to tune in for the first time and see Sheridan doing that rant thing. Oh, I don't want to watch this <laughs> show about Bruce Boxleitner playing a space Hitler. That's no fun. Oh, that's funny. I, is, that I didn't that, think of that. is that that show where Bruce Boxleitner is the horrible conqueror who executes innocent children and people? Yep, that's that's the show. I, yep. I, and I can't imagine this episode being anybody's first Babylon Five. Episode. Oh God! I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> one would hope not. I, I, I just can't see how that would happen. You know? No. I, hey, I've been watching this great new show. You should give it a, a, a watch. But wait until the last episode of the fourth season before you jump in on it. 
I'm just trying to imagine if Star Trek had ever done anything like this. We talked about this last night about Sleeping in Light, that Star Trek never really did anything like that. Right. But imagine Star Trek going one step further and doing a meta show where they have news commentators criticizing Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock and belittling them right. and then like later actually manipulating their memories in an e- I mean that that never happened in in any of the 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 traditional series that that I'm familiar with and now something like that may have happened in Discovery or Picard because right. they went a little darker yeah a little those, more modern but, yeah right but uh I no I that never happened in any of the the uh the original series or any of the next generation series. Well, I'll say this. The the scene I'm about to mention with Garibaldi and Davy and the holograms, that's Danny. the most Star Trek of any of the vignettes in this in this anthology episode. Right? You know what I mean? Right, that would right. that would have been an entire episode of Star Trek and the entire episode that would have been the point. Right. Exactly. That, Star Trek wouldn't have had the T V commentators talking for the first twenty minutes. The whole right. episode of Star Trek would have been evil kingdom using holograms of Kirk and Spock and whoever to, to try to trick the public. That would have been the whole episode and it would have ended when they blew it up. Right, exactly. And it honestly also felt like a Stargate episode, that part, just that part, felt like a Stargate. Because there were a number of Stargate episodes where like the Stargate crew you know, gets turned into holograms or get turned into clones. They're always getting turned into something on Stargate. <laughs> the, the SG-1, not the later shows, but SG-1 particularly. They were always getting turned right. into something, you know. Right. And, um, and uh, it just felt so... I mean, I could 100% see Jack O'Neill doing the Garibaldi patter while, like, Rodney McKay, that's Atlantis, or um, yeah. the, the woman, the blonde-headed lady, Carter, Dr. Carter... Or right. Daniel, or over there reprogramming the the system. I could totally see that, hundred percent. And uh, how interesting is it that that uh, Mr. Garibaldi, or at least his thought patterns, his hologram, is responsible for wiping out human civilization? <laughs> I know. I thought about that. The Great Burn. Garibaldi said he was going to burn us, and he get a he was going to burn you. And he did. But I mean, I well, I have that in my notes. But I'll go ahead and mention it now since you said it. Is the, the the question is which is preferable that Earth gets wiped out or that Earth gets taken over by the future space Nazis? I think ultimately, as it turns out, it was better that they got wiped out. Because well, and that was certainly what Garibaldi thought because he right. kind of let it happen, made it happen. Right. Yeah. He uh, he. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Facilitated. It. It. Yeah, facilitated, enabled it. Yes. Facilitated. Exactly. Uh, so let's, yeah. That's that. I well, and that and my comment on that scene is that that's possibly my favorite thing Garibaldi ever gets to do. Yeah, I thought that was super cool. So good, yes. Yeah, because that guy was so smug that that Danny was so smug and Garibaldi. Danny, can I call you Danny? Yeah, Danny, (laughs) you're about to really want to, you know, stick your head between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye. He wheedles at him. Perfect Garibaldi. Oh yeah, he wheedles at him. He patronizes him, and then he terrorizes him yes oh it's beautiful bang 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 just destroys that guy guy goes running screaming through the hologram at the end just before everything blows up that's <laughs> right. oh, so good oh it's so good and then garibaldi looks at the others that are frozen and says rest easy friends rest easy yep. i'm like ah, oh. garibaldi went out with a bang yes he did i thought that was cool as compared to the end of rising star where he went well never mind um <laughs> let's see uh 
Lorian the firstborn and last to go, the blessed yep. Sheridan who lived and died and returned from the dead and was taken bodily into heaven, according to yep. the according to the Minbar in the Alliance, but of course we know he really died on Minbar, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Ivanova the Strong. Yes. Like that. That was, that was cool. Delin the Wise. Delin the Wise. They kept calling her Delin. And Delin, they, they mentioned Delin the Third, too. Yes, I have a note. The prophecies of Delin the Third said the Rangers would come again to Earth in her greatest hour of need and rebuild what was once the cradle of Sheridan and the Alliance. Well, Delin the Third, is it? I wonder if that's like a descendant of David. The House of David, perhaps, there, Andy? Right. That would be interesting. Or wow. maybe, maybe they just took her name when they ascended to office. You know how... Oh, like popes. Yeah, like popes. Do. We're, we're, we're going to need Peter David to, to recover himself and write another book, I'm afraid. We need, to, we need him to write the Crusade book, and now we need him to write the Great Burn book. I mean, we just need Peter David to recover because he's a great guy. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's but, a better point. But, but once he does... Once he does, if he gives us a couple more Babylon 5 books, all the better. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's see. I wish that they'd shown... Um, well, they show... Oh, I wish they'd shown the, the, the Illuminations. They showed. They only showed Lorien and a ranger unfinished. Right. But right. apparently there were pictures of Sheridan, Ivanova, and Delenn, and we didn't see them. I wonder if they had pictures of them or they just save production money by only doing a couple of pictures and not showing us the rest. Did you notice when Brother Alwyn is on the screen, we see a Roman numeral V, 5, and when yeah. Brother Michael's on the screen, we see 8. What was that? I have no idea. I was wondering that, too. I mean, because it's Roman numerals, I think we are to understand it was something that the, that the priest was doing. Right. Because they were, they were it's very steampunk, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So Roman numerals kind of goes with that. Right. But why? I was trying to figure out why it was showing the different numbers, and eventually it dawned on me it was a, it was a five every time it showed Brother Alwyn on the screen, and it was an eight every time it showed Brother Michael. Right. I'm not sure. I, I looked into that to see if, if there was any, any mention of it anywhere else online, and I, I couldn't find where anybody even talked about it. So Interesting. Well, we're talking yeah. about it now. I'll look we in are. the encyclopedia tonight when I, before I go to bed. I keep forgetting to look at my encyclopedia. There you go. I didn't look there, but yeah. We, um, we're, we're blazing new ground here. Yes, with our, apparently. our investigative reporting. Surely somebody, no, I mean, it had to be noticed to mention, anyway. It's, one of our patrons knows, and they'll tell us. They'll tell us, yeah. Yeah. Faith sustains us when reason tells us we cannot continue. That's a good line. That that whole conversation was really interesting. I like the mm. the analogy of the uh, faith and reason are two shoes. Two shoes. Yep. That that's something Londo would say. Mm. And they are too tight. Right. <laughs> One of them's too tight, and I cannot dance. You know, Veer. Sometimes I think about this war being over, and I find I can't quite wrap my brain around it. <laughs> uh, let's see. I have something to say about them in a minute. Um, yeah, I think we've gotten through all of my notes. Uh, unanswered questions. I don't really have any, any of the, the, I didn't, I thought the lurkers guide unanswered questions were pretty bad. So I made up my yeah. own, which are better. Here are my, here are my three unanswered questions. Who is the guy at the end? I think he's just, uh, uh, the last human on earth. He's a ranger. Yeah. 
Well, he was there to, to collect the, the information on uh, Sheridan and Delenn in Babylon 5. He was there to, to collect it all and send it off to New Earth. I've always heard speculation that New Earth is the Vorlon homeworld, that in a million years when the Earth is when the sun is going nova, we, have, we finally get access to the Vorlon homeworld. It could be. Now, that would be cool except for one thing. One of many, one of so very many, the Vorlons left a lot of bad stuff hanging around, and you'd better watch where you step. Well, but that, that encounter suit that the energy being went into looked awfully Vorlon-y. It did. It did. And so did the ship with the Ranger right. logo on it. Why does the sun go Nova? Yeah, that's not supposed to happen for another billion years. I didn't think it was going to happen well, in a million years. Our sun isn't even going to go Nova. It's too little. It's just going to turn into a red giant. And right, then, yeah. And that's the, Our sun dies in a billion years. You're right. Yes, yeah. Because they, they say they have a billion years of, of fuel left in it. Oh, yeah. I think it's three billion, but yeah. A lot. That could be. It's more, more than I have in my lifetime, so. Well, that's for sure. Um, but we don't know. And allegedly, and I feel like JMS says this, it's probably in the notes down here and I just haven't read it again. I think JMS says something along the lines of something was done intentionally by malevolent forces. You blacked out for a second. Yeah. You said yeah, last, I lost last I heard was oddly, oddly enough. I think, I think JMS says that it was done intentionally by malevolent forces to cause the Earth to sun to go nova. Oh, that could be. Yeah. So That would make sense to try to wipe out... Humanity. Yeah, and That's then my last unanswered question is just why were the Rangers being so slow to help Earth rebuild? Is it that they just feel like Earth is a bunch of villains? And honestly, Babylon 5's answer is usually yes. As to, to quote Jadur, or well, to quote Kosh talking about Jadur, uh, oh crap, I, sorry, I can't do it. I have to do it this way. <laughs> you are not ready. That is pretty much accurate about humans all the way through Babylon 5, even a million, even, even 500 years, well, no, 1,000 years in the future, yeah. 1,000 years, right? 1,000 years in the future with the priests, with the monks, yeah. All right, let's see if we have any JMS speaks. A lot of it is stuff we've already really talked about, like this, this episode numbering and the faith manages thing. Um, somebody asked, does the great burn mean the Babylon 5 crew ultimately failed? And JMS says, it depends on your point of view. Uh, the fact, as I see it, is that no one and nothing will ever solve all of our problems at once, now, and forever. People will always be people. You can't wave a magic wand and fix it all. Yes, there was another war, but had the shadows not been stopped by our characters, likely there wouldn't have been a human race at all anymore. Yes, there was a war and many died in it, as tends to happen in war, but the nominal right side in it came out on top, which would not have been the case but for Garibaldi's simulation giving them a leg up on things. So there you go. Right. It was the right side one. We have had, continue to have, and will always have wars and grief and struggle. We will climb up and fall down, but each time we climb a little higher, and in the end we do build the world that our ancestors would have wanted for us. We do leave the cradle at last, and we take our place among the stars, teaching those who follow us. I guess that means we become first ones, kind of like uh, right. the crowd that went Lorian. And he says, for my money, that's as happy an ending as we or anyone could ever hope for. Right. I mean, it, if you just look at human history, I mean, the war to end all wars had to be renamed, you know, 20 years later because the sequel came out. So, yeah, just, just because, you know, the good guys win the war doesn't mean that you're not going to have another war. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Just because, just because we won the Spanish-American War doesn't mean World War II doesn't happen. Right. Um... 
wouldn't the colonies offer Earth some help? And he says, some probably would offer to help, but if technology is now suspect, some might not want that help. Other colonies might be of the screw them, they got what they deserve perspective. Often politics gets in the way of charity. So in other words, the theory is that maybe some of the Earth colonies are actually doing a lot better than Earth itself. I I thought of it the other way. I think the the war on Earth, I think they took out the colonies. I, well, I they had sent ships to the colonies, but they also got a fair, an advance warning they were coming. True. So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I took it to mean that, that the whole war it was a, a war for humanity, not just necessarily for Earth. Yeah. But I could, I could be mistaken. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, by any chance, is the post-apocalyptic religious order a direct descendant of Brother Theo's order on Babylon 5? JMS says it's altogether possible, and Theo is only awaiting a story worth bringing him in for. So we could have gotten another, I don't think we, I don't, well, spoiler, but I don't, I'll just say, I don't remember another Brother Theo story, but maybe there's another one. But he was, he was always fun because he would just like criticize and put, you know, Sheridan yeah. or whoever down, and right. he was always entertaining. Yep. He was good. I, I, I was. I had higher expectations for his involvement in what was that season two that we first saw, Brother Theo, or season three. I don't remember. It might have been season one. No, it was. It was with Sheridan. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I'm. Pre- I'm pretty sure. Um, I could. I'll, we'll have to look at that up. I'm pretty sure it was season two, but. Um, I think that's all the ones I really want to get into. A lot, again, a lot of them are kind of redundant. Um, right. Okay. So I think that means we are to the categories. Um, you ready to get into that? I am. Let's do it. What was your All high right. point? High point of this episode? My high point was uh, the reveal there with uh, um, a thousand years in the future when the it was revealed that the Rangers were rebuilding Earth based on the um, the teachings of of uh, the rate well of Delenn and Sheridan and, and Valen and all that stuff. Okay. So they were re- rebuilding Earth in their image. I thought that was kind of cool. That is interesting. That, that is ultimately what got them to the million years in the future. Yeah. My, you know, I'm very torn because I loved the, you know, I'm a political junkie. I watch the talk shows a lot, though it varies. Some, you know, when things are going on that I'm interested in, when they're not, I kind of try to stay away from it so I don't get burned out. I only mm-hmm. pay a lot of attention when something big's going on. But, I loved that there were multiple Sunday morning talk shows on this episode. That was really right. kind of cool, all right? Yeah. But I'm going to just having said that, I think the high point in a nice way was just getting a little more Sheridan and Delenn just married, you know, that kind of thing, uh, hugging on each other. But I think that the high point, just in terms of being like, yeah, you know, having fun, was Garibaldi and the Space Nazi dude. I mean, that. That was yeah. That's gotta be that the, was cool. The most fun part of the entire episode. I I try not to use the same thing for multiple categories, and that was one of my answers for another category. All right, so. there you go. Well, then, what was your low point? Low point was uh, the Sheridan's heel turn, the whole his deconstruction, <laughs> because it it just takes. I mean, it's it's a fun scene, but it it takes his character, and to see his character, to see Sheridan mm. say those words. I know it wasn't really Sheridan, but to see that character utter those words and act like that was it was it was well, pretty horrifying. All right, and Franklin too, and Franklin was even more yeah. horrifying in some ways. Right. 
Talking about yeah. children. Right. We're right. going to use drugs. That's our new plan. We'll use drugs on the children so we can transplant their organs and make them suffer and blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll well, be fun. They kept dying while we were vivisecting them, so we'll give them drugs to keep we'll them alive give them longer. drugs. Yes. Um, and you know what all this part here anticipates is AI. Right. Being, a- being able to fake, deep fake. Yep. You know, being able to take people in the past and change what they said and what they do, and we're seeing that kind of thing already now. Absolutely we are. And it is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. It's ridiculous. Yeah. My low point is just how freaking cynical the McLaughlin group 100 years in the future was, the one that Delenn comes and straightens their butts out. And just glowers at them until they can't even look right. at her, and they're all just kind of like, "We're sorry," you know. Yeah. Just their condescension, their arrogance, their cynical natures just made me want to throw up. And it absolutely 100% rang true, though. Oh, absolutely. It, these days, it wouldn't take a hundred years for them no. to do that. It would take ten years. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Oh my goodness. I mean, just imagine saying, "Well, you know, George Washington really didn't do anything. He was just right. there." Abraham Lincoln, eh, he never even left the White House. He just sat around all day watching TV on his three-dimensional holographic TV. I have seen, I mean, I've seen the deconstruction of George Washington saying how he was an inept general and, mm. and, and lucked out and lost his way into victory and all that stuff. And, and it's, it's absolutely ridiculous and untrue, but it, it, that's, I've seen you know, that argument from not... Not on the shadier sides of the internet, but on like on TV and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I'll just say this because as a history teacher, I always say being a being a general is kind of like being a football coach. Um, you you don't always have to be the best X's and O's guy to win all the games. Right. You can be a good man manager, players coach, and little luck doesn't hurt either. Well, I mean, look at look at Tom Brady. He is the mm. okayest quarterback in history. <laughs> He's a great game manager, and now suddenly people think he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. But, you know, there you go. that's a whole different conversation. There you go. wonder if they still have the NFL in the different time periods of the future that we visited. <laughs> the, 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 the future McLaughlin group is like, we'll be back with more trash talking of great heroes of the Interstellar Alliance. But first, the, uh, you know, the, the I, I like when I was going to say a football score or something, but... It always it makes me laugh. In, in like the ring in the known space books, Larry Niven talks about like there's, wor- there's literally a world football league, and and one of the teams is the Berlin Nazis. I just love that by then they're like the, they just like they just like why not you know just go all the way. They're just the Berlin Nazis. Like that's their lo- that's their that's their mascot. Oh my god! I mean, they couldn't do that now, but you know, in the far future, it just becomes a thing that they can be the Berlin Nazis. I love that so much. Oh my god, that's. That's hilarious and, and so wrong at the it same time. It is so wrong, but it's funny. Um, all right, what was your most Babylon Five scene? And I can I kind of can guess. Oh, let me see. Uh, uh, can you though? I, I I might surprise you with this one. All right. My most Babylon Five scene was was when Delenn shows up out of nowhere to defend Sheridan. Oh, I love once it. Once again, good, good. Just like she did before, she came out of nowhere and stood up for her man and said. Screw you! You're wrong. He's a good man, and I stand behind him. She travels however distance and however fast, right? Hobbles out like Gandhi yep. to say, "John Sheridan was a good man, a kind man." Okay, that's it. Bye. 
<laughs> and they're like, that's it? You came all this way just to say that? Glower. Glower. You spent four hours in a makeup chair. Yeah. For that, that one. Oh, at least. For that, yeah, I yeah. thought that was that was very Babylon 5 because that was, you know, that's that's just what she, what she would, absolutely would have done. That's what she's done several times in the past. Did you notice her hair on top of the bone was white and below the bone was like dark brown? That was kind of odd. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they couldn't get the whole wig that was white. They only had the top part. I don't know. My so most... Was, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, what was your most Babylon 5? My most Babylon 5 moment was the very end a human becomes basically a Vorlon slash Lorien. I just figure when a yeah. human turns into a Vorlon or something, that's pretty big, and that's a certainly a very Babylon 5 thing. So, But, I mean, yeah, the whole yeah. episode had Babylon 5 things all through it. So, Right, right. That That was my B choice. Okay. That was not my favorite part of the episode either. I mean, in fact, I one of the reasons I used to not like this episode so much is that it starts out showing something I want to see more of. It shows the, it shows John and Delenn and Londo and Jakar, and I got more uh, more to say about that in a minute. It shows them coming in off the shuttle and having a really funny conversation, and I'm like, yes, I would like more of this. And then it freezes up. And changes into other little things. You know, it's an anthology right. episode, like I said. Right. And I'm like, no, I wanted more of that. So I was always disappointed that we didn't get left on a cliffhanger, but we did get left with less of what I wanted from this episode right. than I would have preferred. You know what I mean? So Dude, when you know when that when that screen started glitching and freezing up there, I legit reached for my remote ah, to try ah. to click through and like, what the heck is going on here? He got you. He got you. Definitely did, and I'm not. I'm not. Not the first time I watched it, but just the other day when I watched it. Right, I was watching it ten minutes before we went on the air tonight. Well, it would have <laughs> no, it, it, more like well, you you got delayed with some household crises. But if we had gone on the air at the appointed time, I finished watching this episode like literally ten minutes before our time to start recording. So, yeah. I, um, speaking, of, speaking of AI, I think the AI in my dishwasher is on on revolt. <laughs> yeah. Um, it may be, uh, what's the ACDC, the, uh, the Stephen King movie where the machines yeah, yeah. rise, <laughs> rise the machine. It's a uh, maximum overdrive. Right. Yeah. yeah. Favorite character moment. For me, it was the, uh, the moment with, uh, Garibaldi when he tricks Danny into, yeah. He tells him, you know, I've, I've just completely screwed you over. Because that was so Garibaldi. That was like first season Garibaldi. I mean, oh, he was smarmy. Prime. He was jokey. And all, the whole time he was still doing his job and screwing over the bad guy. And I thought that was great. That was and, great and note, as of this episode, clearly all the bygones are bygone yes. between Johnny and, and, and Michael. Right. Yep. There yeah, was from that. That that opening scene when they first you know came off the shuttle, they were he was joking with them like he was old pals. Old pals. Well, and Londo and Jakar. Yeah, yeah. I, I I kept thinking we're like a few episodes away from Garibaldi and Sheridan wanting to kill each other, and yeah. we're a couple of seasons away from space Nazi Londo trying to murder Jakar, and everybody's just every Narn on the planet. Yeah, and everybody's just. Old home week. Yeah. I was really shocked. I mean, I liked it because we love all right. those characters and we want them all to get along and be happy and be funny and joke right. with each other and stuff. And that's good. But I kept, I was taken aback by how happy everybody was to be there. But, you know, when you think about it, 
um, there was a whole the whole thing with with George Bush being buddy buddy with the yeah. Obamas. I mean, th- that Clinton. was a very a very bitter um, uh, political fight between the Bushes and the Clinton era people and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. just to have him eight years later, you know, being buddy buddy with one of the most liberal presidents we've ever mm-hmm. had, it just goes to show you that people, you know, once once the bad stuff is behind you, people people can be friends, I guess. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I had that one too. Garibaldi messing with Danny, the evil future Nazi, and then also though I did mention I gave a runner-up to Sheridan, the crazy dictator, because that was just gold. Yeah, that was. We will he, he was cut a swath across the galaxy, and you will all die. <laughs> you know, I was like, "Dang, Bruce, get it, get it, boy." He loved that. He did. Funniest moment. Funniest moment was when the shuttle was coming into the Babylon 5 and it had scrawled on the side of it, just married. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I had um, that just after that, we get a just married couple coming through the tunnel of rice and confetti, followed by a couple that were acting like they were a married couple, Londo and Jakar. Right. That was funny. <laughs> they, I mean, and they're just getting along great. And Londo has that whole bit about you're celebrating a marriage. Good lord, man! What's the matter with you? You, I love. He's like, this is a very bad sign to begin a marriage like this. Marriages should be a time of sober reflection and regret. And I'm like, knowing the knowing Londo's three wives, I can understand why he felt that way. <laughs> you gotta wonder is that is that a uh, Centauri sentiment or is that a Londo sentiment? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, and I, it just made me sad again, too, because he didn't get the wife that he really wanted, which was Adira. Poor right. Adira. Uh, rest in peace, Adira. Uh, and then Londo says, perhaps it was something I said. And Jakar says, perhaps it's everything you say. <laughs> <laughs> Those two are just solid gold. Whether they're trying to well, kill each other or they're just cracking jokes at each other. Cracking they're solid each other. gold whenever, whenever they get a scene together. They are. They are. It's so good. Uh, who won this episode, Andy? I have humanity. Humanity won because they got to ascend to you know going beyond the rim and all that stuff. They, That's a good point. They they survived the 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 great burn and they survived you know the rebuilding and all that stuff and they came out and they ended up winning anyway. I had the Rangers won because they're still around a million years from now and That's helped us true. rebuild. That's true. Garibaldi pretty much won. Yeah. And Delenn, to a certain degree, won. She lived a long, long life. She was still defending old smiling Johnny till her very, very last uh, breath, pretty much, probably. Yep. And, uh, yeah, she kind of became Space Gandhi, which was cool. Um, Adira Gandhi, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. Did you know, just as since you mentioned it, did you know I found out Indira Gandhi was not related to Gandhi at all? Right. Different Gandhi. Yep. I never realized that until recently. Been teaching history of religion all these years. And I didn't realize <laughs> different different family. Yep. Um, who lost this episode? Uh, Daniel. Daniel. Yes. Lost. <laughs> he lost big, and it was good. Yeah. Well, I just said the evil Nazi faction of Earth twenty seven sixty two lost because they got but, nuked. But specifically Daniel, because he pers- ran out screaming like a little girl, <laughs> wetting his pants, and then it ran right into the nuclear explosion. That because. Was- his own simulation screwed right. him over. Yep. Ah. Oh. 
That was that was awesome. When you're using AI to recreate Ge- Michael Garibaldi, don't make it too accurate. Is the lesson, right. boys and girls? Because look, less- Sheridan and Delin and Franklin weren't going to do a dang thing. Right. But they Michael didn't have did. the skills. Yeah, right. Michael did. They, they, Michael Michael has hacking skills. He has hacked computers before. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, here we go. What was your rating for this episode? I suspect I know. You know what? I wanted to like this one a lot more than I did, mm. but it was still, I think, a decent episode. The ending saved it. I, it well, the whole the whole scene with with the uh, thousand years in the future. I I love that scene with the the two um, the two monks. Okay. The, the final scene saved it, and Garibaldi shined really, really bright in that one scene. I thought that was smartly written and and well well executed. So, I ended up after a little bit of reflection giving it three stars. Really? I thought this was yeah. one of your favorites. No, no, you always get this one confused with the intersections, intersections in real time. Oh, this was yeah, way better. Is, Inter- this is way better than intersections. You are so wrong. <laughs> Please. No way. Wait, let's let's <laughs> let's have a tiebreaker here. Kosh, is this episode uh, is is intersections in real time better than this episode? No. Well, there you go, Andy. You can't can't argue with that. You can't possibly well, dispute that that wasn't legitimate and really Kosh. Don't make me break out my team Andy army to prove you wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god alright let's hear what our patrons have to say that can leave comments and stuff and if you want to get get in your two cents worth by the way on this and get access to Sleeping in Light the, a year early just go to www.b5review.com and um, join up become a patron and you can not only have access to the Sleeping in Light episode you can also leave comments and questions that we read on the air, which we're going to do in just a second. My rating for this episode is 4.0. Really? And I toyed with 4.5. Wow. I I was bouncing back and forth between 3 and 3.5. I could could lean into 3.5, but I'll stick with my 3. There just wasn't much meat there, you know? I understand. And for a season-ending episode, there wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't have that oomph that it should have had. I get that. I'll tell you this: my girlfriend back in the day that watched the show with me when it first aired mm-hmm. and used to dress like Delenn. Yep. This was her favorite episode of the entire series. Really? Yep. She loved it. Thought it was fantastic. All right. I, I could very well be wrong. Maybe. Well, what what was the uh, what was the the P five rating? I like eight point uh, five, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was eight point five. Maybe, not too maybe, bad. Maybe I maybe I just missed this one, but uh, you know, three point well, isn't bad. I keep I have to keep saying this because <laughs> of the war without end discussion. But a three is not a bad episode. Oh no, no. Like I said, I just thought you. I was for some reason was thinking because, like you said, I was thinking this was one you really like. But that's fine. No, that's fine. Um, all right, we got to thank the patrons. If you want to join their ranks, as I said a moment ago, to www.b5review.com. Uh, you can go over to our Patreon. You can click on the button that says Become a Patron. It'll take you over to our Patreon page. You can sign up, and you can access our um, you can access our Sleeping Light episode. I don't think we have any other uh, any other. I'm not big on making content that only patrons get. I'm happy to leave that one there for a year, just because organically that's kind of what's going to happen anyway. 
You know what right. I mean? We did it now. We're going to plug it in later when the time comes up. So it'll only be available to the to patrons for the next year or so. And that's fine because that's just, you know, that's the natural order of things for when it normally would come up in, at the end of five. But I've just never been big. I have a lot of podcasts, and I've never been big about doing exclusives just for the patrons unless something organically does come up. Right. And, and so... That's, I say that because I don't want to tell you, go join up the Patreon and you'll get a bunch of exclusive stuff. It doesn't really work that way. It's more like if you enjoy this show and you'd like to see it continue, then, then join our little family. And, and you'd like to be able to ask questions and leave comments and stuff. Then, then go join our the little family there. Um, but we are going to do that. Uh, John Ringer and I are going to do the second half of Foundation Season 2 in a couple of weeks. So that one will be going up there. And... Um, before it goes out to the public, and and I, and then um, I feel like there's a couple of other things we're working on. Andy and I are working on a couple of special things that are going to happen before season five too. We're going to drag that sucker out as long as we can, and then we'll drag season five out as long as we can. Here are the fine folks who are currently keeping our program going, and we appreciate them so much. That's Allison Rich. Leah G, Rich Hammett, Michael O'Connor, Ben, Massive Geek Cred, Rose, Debbie No Spoilers, Norris, Dragon Con Delin, Jal Mondo Six, Middle Age Geek Tim, Pete trying to come up with a Dragon Con joke, Furman, Steve Palmer, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul. Emma Jane Alexander, Emmanuel Seaman, Ice Cream Clone with a Boba Fett head, Comrade Sheridan. Drazi Green and Heather and Yancey Steingraber. You know, we did that list last night for the for the Sleeping in Light episode, and when it finally does air in the regular feed, I bet the a bunch of the patrons are different by that point. I hope not, but we may have new ones. We may have lost some. You never know. People come and go. So, right. but please help us out. Uh, go to www.b5review.com. Um, all right, let's see a few of the patron comments. We just have a few here. And uh, let me see. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having to in real. I'm having to intersect in real time with our web page. Okay, here it is. Um, so we had a few comments about Rising Star two uh, two weeks ago. And let's see. Ben Massive Geek Cred Rose said, "I wondered the same thing about the Rangers repelling from the ceiling." Oh, yeah. Remember, I was like, why are these guys just dropping out of the ceiling on their ropes? And so I rewatched the scene carefully. Just before they rappel down, you can see some rubble fall down, suggesting they blew a hole in the floor above. I, that's fine. Anything that helps is fine. It still looks goofy to me. But, yeah. I mean, it's one thing if it was a big vaulted ceiling like the volcano in You Only Live Twice versus a little drop ceiling room in an office building is what it looked like. <laughs> I mean, again, it's not so much... It's like if you're coming down through a drop ceiling that's 10 feet high, just jump. You know what, Van? I've fallen through a drop ceiling before, and it's not as easy as you make it sound. It, oh. and that, that's a little bit of a drop. I mean, it's not like falling out of bed or, or yeah. you know, anything like that. That's 10 feet, man. You, you start to feel the acceleration before you slam into the ground. All right. All right. All right. Well, well they were on Mars, though, weren't they? Ha, ha, ha. Touche, my friend, or checkmate. Maybe they, maybe they needed the ropes to climb down, otherwise yeah, they would have taken too long to fall. Taken too long. Wow. We've really kind of shed some light on this. <laughs> this is good. This is good stuff. We have spent, we have spent too much time on this. <laughs> that is fair. Thanks, Ben. It's all your fault. 
Uh, but Ben comes back and says, President Luchenko is mentioned multiple times in season five, but she's only seen in Rising Star. Ah, there we go. So she's mentioned. She gets a name check, but she's only seen in Rising Star. It would have been nice to see her at least talking to Captain Lockley over Stellarcom the way Senator Hidoshi used to talk to Sinclair. I agree. Maybe she could tell her all about the new enemies she's making due to her problem-solving methods. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's good. That's oh good. boy, we're we're gonna have so much fun with Lockley. When oh we man, I know it. All right, here's Al- the great Allison, Allison the Great. I also give Rising Star a four point five. Uh, Reese, Susan, and Marcus. I never saw them together. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, and I still don't. I never saw Susan with anyone. Giving him one. Oh, this is great. Great phrasing. Phrasing by Allison. She says, giving him one pity boff would have opened up a whole can of worms. Oh, (laughs) phrasing. That's great. That's so good. That's so good. She couldn't have sustained a relationship. I agree. Some people are self-contained and not meant to be with other people and keep a part of of themselves apart. Yeah, Susan felt that way. JMS's story about Susan Marcus. JMS's story about Susan and Marcus, the, the short story, is super creepy. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Right. Uh, number two, Londo and Jakar. They are starting to act like an old married couple. Oh, just wait. <laughs> just wait till yeah, you see right. Deconstruction <laughs> of Falling Stars, man. There. Uh, remember, Jakar's prosthetic eye has recording capabilities. I'll leave that thought right there. Yeah, we were very aware of that. We talked about that. Right. Yeah. Number three, President Luchenko. I've read a lot of people criticizing her acting. I think she does a fine job. Sheridan has to answer for his insurrection to civil authority. After all, he never officially resigned his commission. That's an interesting thought. Uh, politically, the president has to respond the way she does. Sheridan is not a political figure or a game player, while the Earth president has to be. Okay, right. fair enough. Good stuff. And then finally, she says, Reed Lanier and Delenn. Uh, this is, Andy, this is gold. Okay. Allison says, Reed Lanier and Delenn. Delenn has to stop touching Lanier tenderly on the face like that. <laughs> My gosh, she's right. And she says, yeah. she doesn't see it's painful to him. You can see him really frustrated here, almost angry. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That so true. She and for, does all that to him and then acts surprised that he responds to it. Right. And for somebody who is as empathetic as Delenn is, you figure she would have picked up on that like in season three somewhere. <laughs> she, I, you know what? I think she probably does then and she just misinterprets it. That could be. She doesn't. It's not dawning on her what this is doing. Right. All right. Um, ben says the Orenzento Ari Benzane overacting award. Man, it's been a while since we got to talk about that. Yeah. Back in the day. For Rising Star, absolutely goes to President Luchenko. So here's a counterpoint on the acting of, of uh, what's her name, the, the actress? Bieta? I, you know, something? Bieta? Yeah. Bieta? Bieta? I, I think a, a lot of. Posnum. She came across as stilted at times, but yeah. I think that's because of her. her uh, Accent. Yeah. She spoke with a very thick accent because she was English is not her first language. Well, plus the character literally was acting in the scene. Right. Exa- exactly. Yeah. She was acting as somebody who was trying to act. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's see. Ben says, as great as Ivanova was, I'm not sure her character would have worked in season five. And I, 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 I yeah, well, if, the, if they had done with her, 
what we were talking about that they were probably going to do with her. And he makes a good comparison. He says, when I was promoted to staff sergeant, I was transferred to a different unit on base. The reason was that people in my unit knew me for years as an airman, and the people in the new unit would immediately see me as an NCO. I don't know if Major Atumbe would be able to show the proper respect to Captain Ivanov after working with her all these years. And I would add, allegedly, because we, st- we never see it. We never see it. But gold star to Ben for the uh, Major Atembe reference. Yes, absolutely. That's always welcome. Okay, Drazi Green says, please read this in a Drazi voice. Well, we know that I sometimes <laughs> I do the Drazi voice, I think, fairly well. Sometimes I, I cock it all up, as, as uh, M would say on James Bond. I have to make that smiling alien face in my head right. to do this. Drazi think one reason that Ivanova's dialogue at the beginning pulls at heartstrings is that we all have someone we knew loved us, but we ignored it until it was too late. Drazi can relate to her failure to seize that chance for love. Nice. That's a Drazi perspective on love. I was not expecting that. Right. Maybe that. Cool. Maybe Green Green Drazi needs to do like a romance. Uh, 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 Advice column. <laughs> An adva- advice column. That could go along with the Pac Mara cooking column. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that would be in Universe Today. Yes, it would be in Universe Today. The paper copy. Right. The printed cool. paper copy. You know, something just hit me about Delenn, you know, about her being clueless about her her emotional impact on, on Lanier. Isn't Delenn the one who kind of uh, secretively and sneakily married um, uh, Commander Sinclair during a religious ceremony without even telling him they were getting married? <laughs> Her great, 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 great grandfather, right. too, yeah. Right. Oh, man. Oh, Ben has a comment back at, at Drazi Green, which is, and I think Londo will tell us all about the Drazi ambassador's wife next season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, it's getting nasty here. And then yeah. Ben finally says, last one I promise, this is for Sleeping in Light episode. And he said this before we recorded it. He said, when Severed Dreams won Best Dramatic Presentation at Lone Star Con 1997, and that was the Hugo, I believe, JMS, the great maker, said that he wanted to make a show that asked questions. Who are you? What do you want? Where are you going? And why are you here? Those are the same four questions that Lorian asked Sheridan when he returns to the end of the beginning. Yep. Was where are you going the fourth question that JMS alluded to back when Sheridan and Lorian were talking on Zahadum? I guess. I, that one kind of went over my head, but sure. I get it. Okay. Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. That's it. Always, We always get great questions and great comments. and we Again, I want to reiterate, patrons, this is for you and future patrons. We really appreciate your questions and comments. We really Absolutely. do. I just love having some interaction and feedback. Yep. And this the is pap- my favorite. Yeah. This is my favorite segment of, of the show. I think I've mentioned that before, but yeah. I always look forward to, to our, our patron comments. So cool. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. www.b5review.com. Well, I, uh, oh, yeah. I don't have any um, spoiler space this episode because we're kind of at the end. Yeah, we are. So the only thing I have left to say, Andy, is on our next installment, we will probably do, we have a season wrap-up coming up. Yep. And we're also going to do, and I don't know which order we're going to do this in. We can talk about it. 
because the only thing is when we do our season wrap-up show, we have to coordinate with other people. Right. And it's tricky enough to get Andy and me together one night every two weeks. <laughs> right. You know, the funny thing is, it's really hard to get us together one night every two weeks. Um, we've actually done two back-to-back this week. I know my wife is probably going to murder me because I did my football show Monday and then this show yesterday and this show today. That's three out of the last four days I've had shows. She's right. been probably ready to murder me. Um Bringing in two more people is so difficult, but we're gonna, we always get it done and we will. Maybe Bobby, maybe Nathan, maybe somebody else. We've had other people. We had uh, that, yeah, Thaddeus. Thaddeus, yeah. So we'll see who we can get on. Yeah. Um, but we're also talking about, I guess we can go ahead and mention it. We're talking about doing the first three episode story arc of Stargate Universe because I yeah. think Andy's really going to like it and he's never seen it. Right. So that may be the next thing we do. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll discuss. Yeah. We'll decide. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So you'll either get one of those two things probably in two weeks, and we'll continue on. We've got a couple other things we're going to do, and then we will get to 502. Uh, No compromises. Oh, we also have the movies coming up, because we have to do In the Beginning and Third Space before we can even do No Compromises. Right. So we got a ways to go. Lots of good stuff coming up. All right, man. You good for tonight? I am good for tonight. We had another another good chat. Another Another fun chat. They I, come, you know, un, yeah. un, unanswered question. Yeah. Did Delenn ever get divorced from Sinclair? Or is that something that Sheldon's <laughs> going to find find out about, you know, 10 years from now? Like, uh, Delenn, do you have something you want to tell me? Well, maybe she's trying to marry every member of the, the – every person that commanded Babylon 5. So she and Lockley have got to have a conversation <laughs> now. And, and Nils – Old Nils. Oh, God, Nils. Yeah. She's going to go visit Nils. There's probably fan fiction out there of Delenn and Lockley. Oh, gosh. I'm sure there is. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, It is funny, though, that Sheridan was married to a worker cast, a warrior cast, and a religious cast, and Delenn was married to two of of the four Babylon 5 commanders that we know of. Right. Well, well, yeah, well, technically, if you consider Sinclair married as you're doing right now, which right. is kind of funny, right. but kind of true. All right, we're going to get on out of here for this episode, and I'll give Andy a much-needed break to go deal with his exploding washing dishwasher. Right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we will reconvene uh, pretty soon to talk about something, and we'll figure out what that's going to be. Right. We'll talk to you later. Man. All right, take care, sir. From the Palatial White Rocket Studios, located in a holographic simulator in 2276. (laughs) Clearly, it just takes me two takes to get this down every time. (laughs) Ah! You're off your game, man. That that glitch really just threw you out of your, your, your zone. I'm totally discombobulated now. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.